Welcome back to another episode of Keone Chats. If this is your first time checking out the show, I welcome you. Full episodes can be found on all major podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, for example. Uh, new episodes are announced on social media, and you can follow the show using the handles at KCMedia13 on Instagram and Twitter, and at Media on Facebook. Episodes and other creative content is available on my website, so it's KeoniConlu.com, K-E-O-N-I-C-O-N-L-U.com. So that is where you'll find some photos and a couple blog series. So uh, speaking in specific, the DC Animated Review Series and the NFL Mock Draft. Uh, So some personal stuff going on is that uh, as I'm recording this, we're about to go into Father's Day weekend of 2023 and so uh, if you at all checked out been up with the show uh, i know that this is the official first full year of um, we're going into the second year or into the second year of um, my dad no longer being uh, alive or on this earth and so uh yeah april is hard because that's the anniversary of his death and then uh, june is has a little bit of a double whammy because his birthday is on uh, 6 6 66 so uh he really he really you know turned hard into that uh skid and uh, really embraced that moniker number so if you're wondering what that means i'll let you google it and uh, find out on your own so uh but yeah you're not here to you're, you're not checking out this episode to hear me talk about uh myself you're here because my guest this week is Brighton Wilson. Uh, so I met Brighton during my time with Nike Portland. And uh, this is also kind of lines up to about the same time that the Nike Apple Watch was released. So uh, the Apple store, which was where Brighton worked, and the Nike store, which is where I worked, we were literally a block apart. So uh, Nike had him stationed at the Nike Portland store. Uh, just so he can help with answering any questions, logistical or what or whatnot. Um, and so when we weren't selling watches, I would just kind of ask Brighton how's life and what's going on with him. And so uh, that comfortability was there at kind of the get-go because he is very easy to talk to and uh, he is very engaging. So it did make it really fun and uh, enjoyable just opening up to him uh, back then. And then fast forward to our chat today and... Uh, yeah, it, it was everything was the same than that what I remembered also because uh, he was always like every, the, during the whole interview, uh, he was always curious and always asking questions and uh, wanting to have some follow up questions. So uh, I did enjoy that a lot. So uh, Brian is currently a freelancer. And so um, he also has photos of weddings, nature, real estate off-roading uh under his belt so we talked about that transition of uh trying to uh you know turn a hobby into a business and all these other uh, all those other challenges that came with that so uh it was yeah again it was really enlightening and again with brighton's medium uh sort of aligning with mine in terms of the photography at least uh, it was. It did help me hearing what he had to say in terms of how he was able to uh, keep the the 
passion alive for photography and videography. So I really hope that you, uh, as you're listening, you, you hear his uh, knowledge and you really absorb it all in. So uh, however you are in taking this episode on whichever platform you prefer, I hope you enjoy my chat with Brighton Wilson. First time I met you, uh, you sort of had a mustache and so was it goatee, right? Still just on the chin? Uh, uh, I think so. Yeah. yeah, it was kind of coming in uh, when it came to deciding to go full into the facial hair of like the mustache and the goatee. Um, what was some of those trial and errors you you, you did? Because, you know, as someone that tends to grow their beard thick, I'm like when I'm shaving, I'm like, OK, let's see how this looks. Let's see how that looks. Oh, that mustache does not look good on me, but I'm going to try it anyway. So uh, I think for me, it was just recognizing what my hairstyle was because I cannot grow it thick on the sides. So I just uh, I just gave up. So this yeah. is what we got now. So, <laughs> and, and I like it. I think this suits me the best. Yeah. With, I mean, the hair also has uh, obviously hair grows pretty much, but it's like just thinking of like how you looked. If I again, best to my memory, uh, when I met you at first time to where now I'm like, he really kind of turned into that artistic look that at least a lot of Portlanders are used to, you know, with big rim glasses, a little bit of a, a crazy hair, and then the, the mustache and goatee. So um, was that something that also did kind of cross your mind as you're kind of finding your new look? Uh, not really. So uh, I, I found out in college that I had vision issues. And the way that uh... I found out was uh, I would always sit in the back of some of my classes because there were those classes where, you know, they would have you read the book as homework and then you come into class and they just review what you just read. So I was already uh, yeah. kind of yeah. caught up. So I would do my other homework in those classes. Um, and one time I was, I think, I think I felt that my eyes were just tired. Mm. So, you know, I was kind of like, I was kind of like, you know, rubbing my left eye and I'm mm. looking up at the board and all of a sudden I can't see the board. And I was like, oh, okay, that's weird. Like maybe my eyes just tired. And mm. then just for fun, I closed my right eye and looked out of my left eye and it was super sharp. So oh. I was doing that back and forth for like a hot second. And I was like, oh. <laughs> My vision is <laughs> so the glasses are necessary, at least. Yeah, um, I remember there are times like so I, I got LASIK back in like 2016, 17. And uh, I remember prior to that, I was using glasses and contacts. There are times like in football, for example, I lose a contact. So like I'm in practice, like I can't I can't stop practice and look for a contact. But so I was like, I'm going to close my left. I'm going to try to do my thing with one eye. And the next thing you know, they ran for a touchdown. So I'm like, ah, can't can't be doing that in the middle of sports. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Hence why I retired from sports after yeah. uh, after after high school. So, um, but yeah, uh, LASIK is that something also on your radar in terms of just kind of correcting your vision? Uh, I've thought about it. So uh, I basically really only need my glasses for driving. So like I can mm -hmm. see up close. You know, I'm working on the computer all day. I don't really need my glasses for that. I do wear them when I'm driving, doing something where I need to see far away, or just in general, it stops my eyes from being fatigued if I'm mm -hmm. like out and about doing things. Yeah. Uh, I'm probably gonna go the contact route pretty soon just to have an alternative because I still run. Yeah. And uh, there's never a time where, you know, I can't see where I'm going, for example. Yeah. But there's definitely times where I'm like, you know what, that view way off in the distance that I'm seeing would look really good through some contacts. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, uh, again, something that led me to want to connect with you again was your photography. And so uh, I know, you know, I've, I, I have a camera, 
I don't I want to say I'm to your level, but it's like I know I know some angles. It's fun. And then there were times where I had to take photos with my glasses on and then, you know, to put the glasses up, try to get your eye closer to that. Uh, was it the viewfinder? Right. Uh, and then it's like I think that's where I first came to the idea. I was like, oh, is this what it's like to have clear vision all the time? This is crazy. <laughs> um, what was kind of that? learning phase to having to take photos with their glasses and try to like make sure that the vision you're seeing through the lenses of what you wear every day is like the same to the lens that you want to shoot and capture with. Yeah. You know, I would say luckily for me, my vision is not quite that bad yet where I, I, so basically if I'm going to shoot, I can operate without them if I need to. Mm. Uh, a lot of my work right now is video. So I just use the screen on the back of the camera. And for that, I just keep my glasses on. So that way, depending on what I'm filming, if it's like super far away or something like that, like I can see what I'm doing. Okay. And then if I'm doing photography and I need to use the viewfinder, my, I just take my glasses off. It's I, I don't like having the viewfinder bump into my glasses. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I think it's a good compromise. I can, if I'm doing photography, I can usually see, you know, around me and like what's going on. And so super far instances where I would need to put my glasses back on. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I just remember the, in that time frame of like leading into getting my LASIK, it's like you have to wear your glasses for like two weeks to get your vision stabilized. And at that time, I was doing dragon boats. So it's like, you know, basically like rowing on the water. And so trying to do that with glasses, I was like, A, freaked out I was going to lose them. And B, it's like, oh, God, water's just going to cover the whole thing. And I'm not going to know what I'm doing. And then, you know, with you taking natural photography, nature photography, um, you know, granted, you just said, you know, you just take it off. But is there always some level of like, what do I do if something happens and I'm like out and about doing a shoot and my glasses break or something like that? Yeah, you know, uh, when it's raining outside, it's really annoying. And, uh, you know, I lived in Washington and in Oregon, and so it rains all the time. And I'm always out there in the rain shooting. Mm -hmm. Uh, so on those days, you know, I just take them off or I just kind of deal with it. Like I, I really yeah. haven't been into an issue yet where it's been like a complete problem, but if it's a downpour, they're just, they're just going to come off and yeah. I'm just going to roll with it. So how, yeah. how was your, uh, how, how was your LASIK experience? I'm curious. It was weird, but like, you know, when I, it was actually when I met you. So, uh, the, the context of how Brian and I came to each other's lives is that, uh, Nike and Apple came out with the Nike Apple watch. And so Brian came over. He was at the the Apple store in Portland, just basically one block away. Uh, so he came over. We would stand next to each other, basically try to sell the sell the stuff. And um, so it was actually during that time afterwards where I got the LASIK. And so, you know, telling it, the funniest thing, it's like it's cool that's done, but like it's just describing the process and seeing people cringe. It was just like it's kind of fun. <laughs> That's what I I've looked it up a couple of times because I thought about it, yep. and I feel like the procedure has gotten better over the years. So it's a oh, little yeah. bit quicker. They don't have to you know peel back as much of your eyeball, which is absolutely insane. Yeah, uh, I'm glad I'm glad you can't see it happening though. It's a bummer you can't be asleep or did I don't know if that's changed uh, at all. So so for when I did it, yeah. So they you were awake, and then they you know you do feel some pressure because like the suction cup. Folks of the show, if this grosses you out, go ahead and fast forward a little bit. But um, yeah, it's basically it's like a suction cup to keep your eye open. And then, yeah, they do the laser, lift it up, fix it, close it up. So it's like you, you just feel like a little bit of pressure. And then other than that, they just do the whole thing. The sounds are also what you kind of have to get used to. You're like, OK, this is fine. I'm fine. Yeah, it's not going to my brain at all. 
<laughs> when I when I first saw the procedure, I was like, it's a little. It's it reminded me of you know like medieval torture a little bit. Got to be real, yeah. A, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. And then one of my coworkers, he just got LASIK, and then he was like, yeah, when. When I was younger, they talked about it. They would use a scalpel, and they would actually like have to go around. And I was like, "Yeah, thank God, thank yeah. God." Yeah, I, it, uh, it might be my future someday. We'll we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> uh, so when I was working at Nike, something I always picked up was just like a ca- how to approach someone and have a casual conversation, and um, also like kind of incorporate some knowledge of whatever they're looking at and into the conversation. So when you left Apple and then you went to Squarespace uh, and your time at Squarespace, which was covering about a year, uh, what is something that you picked up while there that kind of also helped with your freelancing career? Um, are, are you saying uh, what I picked up at Apple or what I, what I picked up at Squarespace? Squarespace. Because Apple, I mean, you can. Mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to pick up anything that can really help you further when it comes to customer service of that magnitude of what you were doing and I was doing at that time. So yeah, when you, during your time at Squarespace, what was something that you're like, Oh, this, this could help me in the future. This is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, the biggest thing for me has just been having a website. Yeah. Uh, so working there, one of the benefits is that you uh, get a website essentially comp. So like I pay mm-hmm. for my domain yearly, that's like $20 a month. Yep. But my website is free because I work there. Uh, and honestly, not having to pay for that has been huge. Like, yes, I could write it off my taxes if I wanted to, but it's like yeah. one less expense. Um, and I, I think that I'm at a point where I, I don't think I can upgrade to the newer version of the websites for free. But my website is really just like host, you know, video links and a contact form. So I'm just kind of like, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's honestly been one of the most valuable things that I've had is over the years, I've just kind of been paying $20 for my website and my website, I, I love it. So nice. I know. And we come to like looking at your website or um, this other, my other photographer friend who I interviewed also his website, there's always some like, it's just always so much smoother than whatever I could imagine doing for myself. So I, when it came to just being able to get it to that level of like, okay, some of these other professionals that I follow, this looks sort of like them. Uh, how did that How did that feel like? And basically, uh, I know you went to PSU. So uh, in terms of stuff you learned while there, uh, when was it all kind of all merging together? Yeah, uh, when I went to Portland State, I got a communications degree. And uh, I think I still use that pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. And like, if, if we want to go back to like really the website or whatnot, that just kind of showed me like, literally what kind of language to use there how readable is it and knowing how to ask people for feedback and whatnot um and then laying out the website itself it's like while i was working there i was also doing customer service like live chat email things but i got to look at people's websites all day um and so i've seen a ton of them and you do come across some really cool ones that i think i could draw some inspiration from and then for me at the end of the day i was like i want this to be as simple as possible because again I, I want people to reach out to me or, you know, actually go watch a video. So I think luckily for my work, my website doesn't have to be crazy. Just, you know, I, I, I have like the presentation that I went with was, you know, let's put some photos up there to draw people in and then, you know, show off the work and then make it easier for people to contact me. So I like to keep it simple in those terms. How, how do you stay humble when it comes to seeing a photo that you take and then you do the editing process and you're like, all right, I feel this looks great. I'm a- Let's let's go do it again. 
how do you not get an inflated you know e- ego about the artwork you're producing and not just I mean, you have to have some pride into it, but it's like, uh, you know, the more, more of the sh- uh, photos that I've done in my past has been like sports shots, you know, dragon boating. Those are easy to ca- capture because, you know, when it comes to like your your photos of nature and uh, weddings and some real estate stuff. So it's I, I know it's easy to just capture it in its natural entity, but it's like when it comes to just saying because there are some photos on your website that I'm like, wow, that is amazing how do you not just continuously gloat about it basically uh i think it's just i'm i think i'm very aware of where i started because Mm -hmm. uh again i you know i I didn't go to school for this this is all practice looking up things on youtube reading books and whatnot so i think that i'm just very aware of my journey (laughs) and like the work that i used to put out uh and i think the cool thing about this is that you know you can only practice and get better uh which has been a lot of fun for me so like over the pandemic for example where you know things were slowed down a lot uh i would pick a topic to focus on in photography or videography so like i'm gonna go learn this new skill i'm gonna go try this new technique or whatnot to just like keep putting more tools in my belt Mm -hmm. um but in in my head it feels like i haven't been doing it for as long as i have and so yeah, I mean, I still remember some of my very first shoots and just keep those tucked in my back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> feel, feel to grow. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, it, going back to that same photographer that I've, you know, I've interviewed pre- previously, something I've asked him and then something I've asked all other creative types I've talked with is that why are, why are, you know, my, my art is podcasting, yours is photography, videography. Why are we so hot on ourselves? It's like, why, why are we so like nitpicky about it? So when it came to you learning about those uh, different subjects you wanted to focus on during the pandemic, how did you not just say like, I gotta, I gotta walk away for like a day and I, or, and then come back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if, if I'm struggling on something, I am very comfortable, like putting it aside and coming back to it. Cause, and, and even then like, let's say for example, I'm like really excited about a photo that I took and I want to edit it right away. Sometimes I will edit it, let it sit mm-hmm. and then come back the next day with fresh eyes because, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm in such a creative flow that the next day I might see it a little bit differently. Maybe I'll say, you know what? I don't want the color, the, uh, the photo to be that warm, or, you know, I don't want these colors to be as intense. Yep. And it kind of lets me step back from the excitement of the moment and, and look at it with some fresh eyes. Um, and then in terms of just being hard on yourself, it's, uh, that, that took me a minute to get comfortable with as well yep. is I think that, uh, you know, nothing will ever be perfect. And if you try to go for perfection all the time, it's actually going to slow you down. Uh, and I also don't think that uh, other people are as critical of us as we are of ourselves, because mm-hmm. I'll be editing a video, for example, and uh, you know, sometimes I'll ask a friend to kind of review it with me and I'll be like, hey, if there's a, a clip that doesn't make you feel something, flag that for me because I want to remove it, you know? Mm-hmm. But those are my standards. And yep. maybe other people's standards aren't that high. I'm thinking of, you know, like wedding clients, for example, like yeah. they, they absolutely love it. And me, I'll watch it and say, oh, I could have done this, this and that, you know, but I think at the end of the day, it's like, don't let perfection stop you from being consistent and like getting better. So mm. obviously there's a line with that. Uh, but I think that what I've learned is that like, 
I, I don't need to be so hard and so critical of the work because it's actually going to slow me down with producing great results. If for my work right now, it's like, you know, I, I help people in the financial industry, like find out how much your business is worth. So it's one of the things they work on is like, oh, like a, like a questionnaire. So I tell them that, you know, when it comes to entering uh, something for your value of like, you're not completely 100% comfortable with, but you're pretty close to it go ahead and submit it. And then they always seem to have the hardest time of like accepting that. Um, so when it came to some of your earlier work of like, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm not happy with this completely, but I don't totally hate it. And then when you, when you send that off, what, what kind of thoughts go through your head when you send that to a client and you're like, there were some parts I'm like, I'm not hundred percent happy with this, but I'm not really mad about it. Like, how do you fight that? Yeah. How do you find that balance? Uh, I think a good way to look at it is, you know, does it meet the client expectation? Because mm -hmm. sometimes their expectations are not the same. And that's also why usually when I'm working with the client, no matter who they are, I ask for a shot list of things. Okay. So, you know, I think some photographers and I was guilty of this too, like when I first got into the game or like when I first got into mm -hmm. doing video, it's like, oh yeah, when I go to the shoot, I'm going to promise, you know, this number of photos, I'm going to promise this length of video. And what was actually more important was, did I get all of the shots that me and the client agreed on? And then we can start talking about the volume of things. So okay. that also prevents, I think, there from being any gaps is like we talked about a shot list. We know what our expectations are, and then we can both meet that. Uh, that makes it a little bit more clear in my head. So and then I think just being communicative as well. Like there are some things, for example, on a shoot, like I tell people, let's say we're just doing, you know, a portrait shoot or something like that. I tell you, like, not everything that we try is going to come out as a final result. You know, there might be a moment where like, oh, you know, this scene looks cool. This bit of light looks cool. Let's just try it out, you know, but if it doesn't come out, I'm not going to deliver it, obviously. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. So the, the level of expectation is set pretty much during that first conversation of like, this is what you're asking for. This is what I'm going to try and give you. If there's some, a little bit more, I'll, I'll give it my best basically. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think it's just key to understand like what we're both expecting out of it. And I think there always ends up being more, you know, it's like for a wedding, for example, we talk about the main things that they want filmed and then I can fill in the rest based on the story that I see that day. So it's uh, like, okay. you know, obviously we're going to film like your first look and your ceremony and whatnot, but I'm also oh. going to get like the scenery. I'm going to get your guests interacting, like maybe like your parents are there or something like that. So like there's still those elements that I can fill in that help bridge the expectations that we set. So it's like okay. we have this shot list and then we have those areas that kind of happen naturally that I can grab and then help bridge the whole video together. Okay. So in, in the case of one of your, or you did a couple, or there were a couple wedding videos on your website, which uh, I'll put the link in the description below. The It's for Lauren and Cody and then Ruby and Landon. So for those two, um, what was some of the, happy accidents or like one of those like oh this could be fun and then you take the photo or you do the video and then when you see it again you're like oh this all right okay let's throw this in and hopefully this works out well so what, what was at least one from each of those weddings do you if you remember to the best of your ability yeah uh so I like that you picked those two because they're also two very different weddings. Like yeah. Ruby and Landon got eloped on a mountain and Lauren yeah. and Cody got married at this really beautiful venue down in Temecula, California. Yeah. Uh, I think with Lauren and Cody's wedding, um, and, and this is true of just, you know, any wedding day is that like the weather is going to play a huge part in the kind of lighting that you get. 
and also where you choose to shoot. So like, yeah. uh, if we have really good overcast lighting, we can kind of shoot wherever we want on the property because there's not gonna be any harsh shadows. Like the colors look the way that you want uh, versus let's say that it's a really bright and sunny day outside. So we've got super harsh light. We might not want to film outside, but because the light is so strong, it might give us an opportunity to film inside, for example. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't, I don't think we had any happy accidents that day, but one thing that I loved was that at the end of the night, we kind of did their uh, solo shots and then some okay. of their friends and family shots out on the golf course in this kind of pond area. And the lighting was just beautiful. Like nice. it was, the, the whole venue was amazing. And like that scene in particular, I loved it because it gave us a lot of flexibility with the kind of scenes that we wanted to grab. Yeah. So I think with that day, we had so many variations. The beginning of the morning was kind of like a little bit overcast lighting. So we filmed a lot outside middle of the day, we kind of had some harsh lighting and whatnot, but even during their ceremony, we had some nice dramatic lighting, which is not super typical. I feel like sometimes people plan their ceremonies like around three or 4 PM and it's smack in the middle of the day. So mm. like the lighting can be super strong there sometimes. Yeah. Um, and then with Ruby and Landon I'm trying to think also theirs was just, uh, it was just so beautiful to film. Cause it, it, it kind of married what I like is that you know, obviously I, I love shooting for couples and I love shooting outdoors. And mm -hmm. uh, they found this super beautiful kind of dispersed camping spot up on Mount Hood. So like the minute that we got up there, it was just on my end, kind of like a free for all everywhere that I looked, everything was gorgeous. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no wrong angle here. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, the only thing that differed there was um, maybe starting off in the beginning of the day, you know, we were shooting in a cabin nearby. And so, yeah. Those are always fun because uh, depending on the amount of space you have, you have to get creative with like kind of where you're staging people. So yeah. for example, we didn't want them to run into each other before their first look, but they're in the same building, you know, and there's nowhere to really go. That's and tricky. then, yeah, it is, it's very <laughs> tricky. Lots of coordination, lots of communication and lots of like asking, you know, other guests for help to make sure that they stay in one place or go the other way. Yeah. Um, and then one interesting thing about that too, is just kind of moving the interior around as you need. So we kind of had two bedrooms that were opposite of each other. And then we had this uh, kind of common room area, almost looking like a living room in the middle. Uh, and we would stage that and restructure it as we need. Cause sometimes multiple scenes are shot there, but they look a little bit different because we maybe use a different corner. We move some furniture around. We use a different angle, for example. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so with, when it came to like the prep and then the execution, how did Ruby and Landon's wedding on, on Mount Hood, how did they make those accommodations for you and your team? Like, because from the video I saw, it's like, yeah, you're, you're going up there. And then uh, like, how long were you there before and after the the event? And then what, how did, basically, I'm just thinking like, did they give you like a tent? Did you give, did they give you like a room in the cabin so you don't have to go up and down one day? Or how did they basically make it easy for you to to do the shoot? Yeah, uh, with most of my clients, we talk about accommodations. So uh, when I was filming with Ruby and Landon, I was living down in Bend, Oregon. So the venue is actually like less than two hours away for me. So that's like oh, a nice. pretty quick drive. Yeah. Uh, normally what I'll do for weddings is I will uh, get accommodations for the night beforehand. So that way I show up, I'm physically there. And then the morning of, I'm not like commuting to their wedding. It's like okay. depending on how far it is. And that's just because driving to a wedding when there's traffic is, you just don't want to be there. No. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> so i think with ruby and landon all in all uh maybe like four or five hours uh okay. maybe a little bit less than that it was uh pretty straightforward and um 
the so I was doing videography and they had a photographer as well and the photography team they were also event planners mm. um when when we're done here I can make sure that I can find uh their information if you want to post it anywhere because they did an amazing job yeah um, but yeah. yeah they they reached out to me super far in advance they had the whole itinerary planned out um you know based on like where we're going to be what time we'll be there yeah. which gave us like a really good guideline to start with and then of course you know on the day we can kind of flex if we need to you know not everything is going to go according to schedule but it's also just important to be comfortable with that and just knowing yeah. how to pivot really quick and you know like I, I feel like uh saying that not everything is going to go to schedule might sound kind of negative but i think also giving yourself that reassurance and then just trusting everyone to check in if something does go the wrong way and just mm -hmm. making the best out of the situation is like a good thing there's a lot of things where i think you know we just need to deep breath yeah. <laughs> you know, <Ooh>. <laughs> Uh, so something you said did, didn't spark my curiosity. So with, with Ruby and Landon, they seem like they were very easygoing people. It was, it seems like also a very small wedding. And then, but with Lauren and Cody, it did seem like it was a very big venue. Um, when it came to kind of people management, not just your team, but other people to maybe, you know, keep Lauren and Cody like distracted on opposite sides of the course. Do you ever feel like there are some people that'll just, you know, you give them directions and they just look at you weird. And then do you ever have like that thought in your head of like, is this person thinking like, who's this kid? Why is he bossing me around? What, <laughs> what, what does he have the right to tell me what to do? Or are you just like, go, go, go. Um, so I, I will say, so for me, usually I'm filming solo. Mm, okay. Uh, and then uh, if I'm doing photography, sometimes I do hire a second shooter just because I feel like, so the way that my creative creativity works is video to me is actually more manageable and i feel very strong in storytelling there with yep. photography i think that in my opinion it's a little bit less forgiving because you have so many snapshot moments you know so yep. so for video i could you know shoot for 60 seconds in a scene and get like six clips that i'm going to use yep. for photography i feel like because the moments happen so quickly it's good to have that second shooter with you to capture those like kind of fleeting moments. True. Um, but also, you know, at the venue, we have usually a wedding coordinator. Um, the bride and the groom usually will ask like their best man or their um, maid of honor to help out with organization things as well. Okay. And then for me, really, like I just check in with the couple as much as possible because when you do have sometimes those larger events, you have a lot of friends and family who want to see things go a certain way. And I always just check in with the bride and the groom to make sure, you know, at the end of the day, this is your wedding. This is your yeah. day. Your yeah. friend or your family member might, might want this for you, but like, let's check in with you to make sure that like, this is actually okay. So I think for me, I just kind of like make sure that I know my scope of responsibility, which is mm. to be there to film, to get what we got on the shot list, make mm. sure that I know who to go to when I have questions, because I think once you start to get pulled in all those different directions, you start kind of doing things that aren't your job. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just important to know like, who's doing what role during a wedding day. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like there's definitely, you know, those, those guests that are harder to deal with. Yeah. Um, but I think it's the people skills and like, you know, we've both worked at Nike. We both worked at Apple. Like I, th I think we've handled some of the spiciest people in the area. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think honestly, like those, those people management skills do translate because, yeah. you know, all day you're meeting new people, you know, they're coming into the store for help or whatnot. And you're kind of creating those connections. I think the same thing applies to weddings and it's just, you know, kind of being a service person. 
you know, whether it's like I'm, I am at another person's wedding or I am, you know, at an event that I know it's not going super well. I, I tend to just like imagine myself if I was the, the project coordinator or if I was the event coordinator, I would probably do this, this, this different. I would probably do that, that, that different. Now, I, I don't assume you've, and, and every, I don't assume that every wedding you've been to, you've been the photographer. You've probably been to somewhere. You're just the guest. Um, and when it comes to seeing how like a photographer is stationed here or a photographer is stationed there, how much of your instincts do you fight saying like, ooh, they should maybe go over there. Ooh, maybe they should go over there. Or are you just like, I'm here for the ride. I'm just going to let it go. Yeah. Uh, funny enough, I've never been to a wedding as a guest. <laughs> okay. Uh, actually, my question. Okay. Yeah, I, I will say the one time that I have, uh, I forgot how old I was, but yeah. when I was younger, uh, I didn't do well in the heat. I still don't do well in the heat, yeah. but uh, it's a little bit more manageable now. Um, but yeah, my my parents took me to a wedding. I need to ask them how old I was and exactly <laughs> where this was at. Uh, I had a heat stroke at the wedding though. Oh no. Oh, no. Uh, all I remember, all I remember is that it was super bright, super hot outside. I'm not sure what I was wearing, but I'm sure yeah. that it was something like, you know, long sleeve and pants and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, I remember sitting, uh, you know, at the chairs. I think it was during the ceremony or something like that. Next thing I knew, I'm like in the visitor center. I think it was on like a golf course. My dad's giving me a Gatorade and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I think it's the only time that I've been as a guest. And, huh. and that's my parents if they remember that story because it's, it's very clear in my head, but it's only the yeah. scenes of, me sitting in the ceremony being really hot and then the visitor center being really cold and the Gatorade. Um, yeah. Par I will be parents can fill in the gap. Parents can fill in the gap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah and, and thankfully it wasn't a, a, a dire emergency situation. Um, I will be a wedding guest next year though. One of my best friends is getting married uh, in Spain in September. Oh, wow. wow. Um, so, but you know, I, I think for me, it's like, if if I was a wedding guest, I'm of the the mindset of you know let let people do their jobs. Um, you know, there's there's no need to be a backseat driver uh, unless there's a situation where it'd be helpful. In my opinion, you know, there's there's no need to tell someone how to do their job and, unless uh, there's some actual good advice I think I can give because yeah, you know, they don't they don't need someone riding around in them all day. Yeah, yeah, I think it's more uh, in my times of not being. I don't know if it's uh, no. Is this last wedding in December? It was my partner's cousin, and I'll I don't know why, but like, anytime I see a photographer like take the photo through, like, because you have the small viewfinder and you have the the bigger screen. When I just see them looking through the bigger screen for the photo, I'm just like, you got the little thing right there. Why don't you just put your eyes so you get a better view of it? And then um, and I think that happened at early on, and then a little bit later on it happened again. And then my, my partner says, so she's like, oh, 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 she's doing the thing you don't like. She's doing the thing you don't like. I was like, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think also, too, it's like, you know, everyone works so differently. Yeah, uh, there's also that. And so I think it really comes down to, you know, like, what are the results you're getting? Uh, that, that That's more so what I look like, uh, mm. what I look like, what I look for. Because, um, you know, I, I have friends who shoot pretty religiously through the viewfinder. I have friends who only shoot on the back screen. And it's like, if they're getting what they need to get, like, do your thing. Do your know? thing. <laughs> Keone Chats is proudly sponsored by Adelsheim Vineyards. Adelsheim has been a winery in the Pacific Northwest since 1971. 
Founders David and Ginny Adelsheim opened up the winery with the goal to create world-class wine in the Chehalem Mountains of Oregon's Willamette Valley. Adelsheim partners with Growing Gardens, One Barrel, the Portland Trailblazers, and now the Keone Chats podcast show. Uh, Adelsheim has been working with the, the show for a little bit now, so uh, I can't say thank you enough to Emily McMullen and her team for uh, giving this little podcast, this wonderful opportunity for the listeners to try some of the products. Uh, so if you're interested in trying some of Adelsheim's wine, you can go to Adelsheim.com, A-D-E-L-S-H-E-I-M.com, and then go to the menu option in the upper right-hand corner, and then start creating a cart. Throw in some rosé, throw in some Chardonnay, throw in some uh, Pinot Noirs. And then maybe something from the merchandise section. Why not? So before you check out, use the discount code Grand Crew, G R A N D C R U, for twenty percent off your total purchase. That is amazing. Uh, again, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to Adelsheim for being a sponsor of the show. Um, and so uh, again, that discount code is Grand Crew, G R A N D C R U. 20% off your total order. You must be 21 and over to purchase any wine from Adelsheim, but the discount code is still good on merchandise regardless. And so everyone, please enjoy responsibly. So you went to PSU for communication. When you did that, what was what was the end goal there? Did you, because you picked up photography later, but um, what, what was your original direction when it came to going to college for communication? Yeah, when I first went to college, uh, I thought that I wanted to have, you know, this busy desk job. I was like, oh, I want to make a lot of money. I want to live in a big city. You know, like there was a time period where I wanted to live in New York. Uh, and I thought that was for me. And then when I got to Portland State, took a couple of business classes. They were not for me whatsoever. Uh... Uh, and I actually kind of did a flip. Like when I was in high school, uh, I was not super interested in too many creative outlets. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that they were they were there for me, but I really saw them as creative outlets and not like a money making opportunity. Uh, and then when I got into college and you know got more and more involved in photography and videography, and then started getting hired for things, I was like, mm -hmm. oh, well, I'm having fun doing this, and it can also be a business opportunity. Um, but where communications came around, uh, one of my other jobs, I actually, no, I think this was at Nike. This is when I worked at Nike in downtown Portland. Um, a guy came in. I'm not sure exactly what he was in for. We were chatting it up. And then he told me that he worked at corporate. Hmm. And, you know, we're talking some more. And he asked about my degree and whatnot. And this is when I was pursuing business. And I asked him what he did. And he was like, oh, he's like, well, I, have a, you know, I'm, I was a communications major. And he's like, what I do is... He's like, we have really talented people who are very good at doing specific things, but they have no clue how to talk to each other. Uh, and so okay. that's the gap that he filled. And he told me all about it. And I was like, you know, that actually sounds very interesting. Yeah. And so that's actually what got me into communications mm. when I started to like look more into it. So um, and also, uh, you know, college for me was uh, no, no, no one else in, in my family had gone. I was like, the first person to go. And so for me, where I'm like, yes, I think a college degree is useful. I was more of the mindset of I like to like work my way up a little bit. So 
Yep. I, I, pref yep. I kind of preferred going the experience route because I think that a lot of people can be trained to do jobs and the more experience you get, like the better you're going to get. And I think I, I see that more prevalent today. Like, I think I'm hearing more people being like, you know, I actually don't have a degree in this. I just have the skills and knowledge because I worked my way up to it. Versus mm -hmm. I think when I was going to college, it's like, if you don't have that piece of paper, you're not going to get anywhere. Um, True. True. And, <laughs> and so like the way that I looked at it was, you know, my degree was really kind of just, you know, I, I, I did my thing for four more years. I, I got my good grades. I learned some good things, but I was like really eager to get back and actually get the work experience. So um, I feel thankful that like my degree turned out to be useful for me today and I'm using it. And also I, I got into Portland State on a scholarship uh, for my grades. So I went there because I did not want to pay for school. And I'm very thankful for that as well. Yeah. Um, for those also listening that the way Brighton talked with a higher up in Nike while work at the retail store, that's basically the blueprint to land on campus. Because that, you know, when you in your time and also my time, they're always like, it's always about connection. It's always about like, cause those higher ups, they will go up to the store and they, you, you will not know that they're there or what they do, but you know, the, the fact that they, they, they want to see that you're approachable and you know communicative. So um, I think that's that, that guy was pretty pivotal in, in your story. Cause he kind of helped you kind of continue on or like kind of nudged you in the right direction. Uh, do you, yeah, very, very much so. Yeah. I, I never, I never even considered communications as an option, um, but I've always been good at like English and writing classes. And so I think it was kind of leaning into my strengths as well. When you made that pivot from the the direction of communications that you're thinking to just strictly photography and videography, um, what, what were your parents' response? How did, how did they help you kind of continue on with this pathway? And how did they uh, say like, you could do this? Because my... My mom, when she, when I told her, like, oh, I want to be a journalist. And uh, I think she gave up the ideas of like, oh, what, what if, you know, you're athletic? Why don't you go be a cop or you're, you, you need medicine every day. Why don't you become a doctor? I mean, at that time, it was kind of one of those, like, she's trying to also in the Asian uh, community, they're always like, you know, why don't you go be a nurse? Go, go be in the medical field. Uh, so when it came to you making this switch and, uh, not yet becoming a freelancer, but, you know, kind of getting to that level. Uh, what were your parents' response? Uh, I would say they've been very, like, supportive the entire time. And uh, I also just, like, shared with them the plan as well. It was like, hey, I'm going to get in comms degree. Here's the conversation that I had with someone who's, like, in the communications field. Yeah. I was like, that really interests me. And I think that it would kind of lead into my strengths. So there honestly wasn't much discussion um, aside from, you know, them being supportive. And we also yeah. kind of talked about me stepping away from business. And they were also just like, you know, if, if, if you don't like it, don't don't do it, you know, because I, I think similar to the feelings that I had, it's like, you know, sure, I want to make a lot of money, be a busy person, whatever. Uh, but that's not a good life to live, in my opinion. You know, I, I don't I don't want to wake up daily and do something that I don't want to do. So true true and you know you've you found the passion and then you've been basically blowing it up in a good sense for what how what is what year is this in your freelancing tenure uh, how many years i've been doing it so my first wedding i shot in 2018 okay. uh and then before that actually oh well yeah I'm, i kind of considered 2018 my start because that's when I did my first video wedding. And uh, I think video is really my specialty. And especially this year, 
-hmm. I do enjoy photo. I will do photo when I need to, but I'm trying really hard to dip and fully commit into video. It's mm -hmm. a, it's a little bit for me, a little bit, uh, I, I can't find the, a good way to put it, whether it be like, I'm, I'm nervous about fully switching over, but it's like, uh, I don't know. I I almost feel like I'd miss out if I stopped doing photography, you know, but yeah. I feel like in my heart, yeah. video is what I need to focus on because that's where I feel creatively the best. So yeah, I would say 2018 is where like I really started doing it for real. Mm -hmm. um, and also interesting story around that time. That is when, um, let's see, 2018, I think is also when I left Squarespace and I was there for just under a year. And um, that was my first kind of job out of college. And the reason that I left at the time was just because I found myself just living for my weekends. You know, it was a great job. We were well taken care of. It was like one of the companies that worked that had the best benefits. You know, we were fed well, had a cool work environment and whatnot. But I really found myself just like living for my weekends, you know, and I felt like I'm kind of doing the same thing every single day just didn't feel very good to me. And so I uh, saved up for about, you know, having about three months of time off and then me and one of my best friends who actually does full-time wedding photography now, we booked an Airbnb down in California, went down there, freelanced for an entire month. And then that's how I ended up up in Seattle mm. doing some more freelance. Um, right. But yeah, I, I, I think I just, I just needed a change. And I was like, you know, this is risky. But one thing that I've learned from that is that I actually feel like a lot of people could excel if we make ourselves a little bit uncomfortable mm -hmm. uh, because being in that comfortable area of my life, that's where I didn't feel pushed. I didn't feel very creative and whatnot. I'm not saying you got to go, you know, quit your job and throw everything to the wind, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but I have found that what, what helps me grow is figuring out, okay, what's making me uncomfortable. Uh -huh. Let, let's go work into that because that's how I even got into doing portrait photography. When I first got into photography, taking photos of people scared me. I, you know, yeah. I would, I'd be out hiking with friends. I could take landscape photos all day. Candid photos are easy to do. It's like, is this, you're naturally walking and I'm just catching you walking. Yeah. Well, even, even then I was like, you know, I don't really know. I didn't even know the, how to do good candid photos. Like that's good from, from my perspective yep. uh, in terms of like figuring out like where to put people in the frame, how to make it look interesting. Sure. And then, you know, God forbid someone asked me to take a portrait of them. Cause I'm just like, I don't know what <laughs> settings to use. Yeah. And so kind of where I went with that was like, well, I like photography taking photos of people makes me super uncomfortable and it's very challenging. So I started practicing taking photos of people and that's actually what kind of led into me doing weddings and whatnot. Right. Um, and now I feel great about it. And so again, whenever I hit that wall of like, Ooh, this topic, you know, here makes me super uncomfortable. I feel challenged. Let's go practice that. And it, yeah. it, I think that's what helps me keep getting, you know, more and more, uh, experience. And when you started back in 2018, just like how I started with this podcast, I didn't have this microphone. I didn't have this. I didn't have that. I didn't have this other camera. Um, when it came to the equipment you had when looking back at it in 2018 and to what you have right now, do you just find yourself like laughing at like, wow, that was that did the job. But holy crap, I don't want, ever want to go back to that again. Yeah, I feel that exact way. And I think about that often. Um one thing that I think happens a lot is, you know, we're all on social media. Uh, Instagram is is kind of like a, a shopping mall at this point. Yeah, a little <laughs> uh, bit. <laughs> and same thing with YouTube, especially in the photography industry or just like kind of tech in general. You know, everyone's putting out new stuff all the time. And, mm. uh, you know, you buy a camera. Six months later, they put out a new one. You buy a phone, kind of same thing. And that is really hard to stay away from. Mm. Um, 
And when I first got into doing photography, I made sure that I started small before yeah. I got my first full frame camera because I didn't want to have more camera than I knew how to handle. It's like having, you know, a car that you can't drive. Um, yeah. And so I would kind of give myself milestones of like, all right, um, you know, I, I first started shooting on my phone and then I, I bought a GoPro. It was kind of like my first like big camera purchase. Yeah. And then when I was working at the Apple store, we started selling those uh, DJI drones. So like I oh, yeah. had one of the, yeah. I had one of the big old school clunkers <laughs> that can only fly for like 13 minutes. <laughs> and, and even, even that took a lot of convincing for me to buy. Cause when I was a kid, I was super into like remote controlled things, you know, mm -hmm. helicopters, cars and whatnot. And so I was like, ooh, you know, I'm kind of into photography and this is a helicopter. I was like, this is an interesting combination of things I really enjoy. Yeah. And that's also what got me into video was I found I had more fun doing video with the drone than photo. Hmm. Um, and then from there, just slowly worked my way up with cameras. You know, so I brought I bought my first camera that could shoot fully manual. It was a little baby point and shoot from Sony. Yep. Went to like a crop sensor camera. So I started getting like interchangeable lenses and stuff. And then uh, I believe the first photo wedding that I did, I want to say was in 2016 or 2017. Mm -hmm. And right before that wedding is when I was like, okay, I'm going to buy a full frame camera because I'm actually doing a client job now. Um, I'm getting and... paid to do this. It's not just like a favor to a friend. It's, you know, actual monetary values are being exchanged here. Yeah. So, uh, and I felt at that point that yes, I still had more to learn, but I felt that I knew what I was doing with the device at the time. So it wasn't, it wasn't too much for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just kind of, you know, kind of went from there. And I feel like now I'm at a point where I would consider most of my kit, like complete, you know, like I, I have most of the things that I had been working towards. Yep. Um, and I think right now my strategy is just kind of like ignore the new stuff and just do with what I have, because I think I'm in a very good spot and I do need to focus on the creativity. You know, there's, there's always going to be the new thing. There's already a new version True. of my camera and I bought it like two years ago. Uh, <laughs> they got even me. Been less, they got yeah. me. Damn it. <laughs> I was like, it might've even been less than that, but um, you know, I'm just like, there's nothing that my gear isn't doing for me right now. Okay. And, and that's okay. That That's kind of my baseline There's I, I see no need to buy anything new. So because when I went from the journalism school of University of Oregon and then trying to make it on my own, I did have my own, like, my dad was in graphic design, so he made me, like, freelance reporter cards. So then uh, I just had the thought of, like, if I just were to shift to this immediately, like, directly and not even think about another job, how would I put food on my table? How did, how did, how did I even, like, put gas in my tank so I can do things? So what was some of those early struggles you had when it come to getting into the freelancing business and, you know, trying to get your, basically when it came to marketing yourself, what was some of those struggles to not just say, Hey, I'm here, but be to talk about yourself. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, social media did a lot with that. And then also like word of mouth, just letting mm -hmm. people know what you're doing. Um, I think this is something that I might've talked about in our notes too, but just like, you know, acceptance of your work, doing things that you enjoy because, you know, yeah. not not doing it because we're worried about what other people are going to think or not doing it because we think it's not perfect yet is, I think, yeah. just going to hold us back. So, I mean, I would just encourage people, if you are passionate about something, you're interested in something, just go do it. You know, like, you know, worst case scenario, it, it doesn't work out, but you tried it. Best case scenario, it works out really well. So yeah, and there you go. That's always yeah. that's always the best case. It's like, oh, this this actually turned out pretty good. Uh, yeah. And so earlier we talked about you know you kind of you know not gloating too much or not getting too 
ego driven about your work that you produce what what do you how do you react when someone else says wow this this is amazing or how do you react when let's say you you take my my wedding and then i'm just like brian this is fantastic thank you so much how do you accept those kind of praises i'm honestly very thankful um i so i i think that sometimes people just they they actually don't hear enough when mm. when you know something they produced is liked and i think that one assumption might be okay this person is really good at their job they must know that there's no reason for me to tell them um and I, I think that goes for more than just me i think that goes for a lot of other creatives or just anyone who's you know producing something that's that, that they're really proud of yeah. um so i i always i love it and especially when it comes to weddings or like maybe someone's business or something like that when uh I, i'm giving them exactly what they hope for with with weddings it's such a personal thing and uh i when i'm editing I do love that I can, you know, feel the emotion that was happening there that day. And like, that makes me happy when I'm editing, you know, like pe people always do ask me like, Hey, does this, you know, influence your opinions on weddings and whatnot? Like, you know, this is like a very personal thing for them. And to me, a good job is like, I'm editing and I can feel exactly what they were feeling in that moment that day, because that's what they want to relive. Like, yes, they want to see their, their wedding day, but they also want to feel those emotions all over again. Yeah. Or maybe it's like, I had a business client and uh you know we filmed a really cool video for them and they got a bunch of new clients um, there's a travel van company that i've worked with up here in washington and uh, we started doing some social media stuff for them and then you know they hit me up and say hey like i'm booked out for two months i think that's awesome so mm. i love to hear the feedback because um i'm someone who's you know in my own head a lot sometimes and yeah like i said like we, we're more critical of ourselves than other people are and i've struggled with that a lot and understanding that like what I'm thinking up here might not be fully true. So I do need to hear it from other people sometimes to get a better understanding of my work. Yeah, I know. And it's gone to the point where, you know, it, it's, I feel very you know, blessed and honored that, you know, you're, you're going to be like episode, I believe like 87, 80, 86, 87. Okay, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Even like that, you know, it's like, you know, it's starting to catch on. People are starting to ask about it. And then, you know, when we went to Hawaii in April, two of my cousins were like, hey, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. Uh, what do you think? I'm just like, wait, you're coming to me? 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 What? Uh, so it's, it's yeah, it's, I I am learning through, through therapy to just say thank you. Not thank you and, or thank you, but, you know, not trying to like, you know, kind of take a shit on what the person's compliment uh you can curse on this um <laughs> uh, so yeah when it, that's i just think that's that's awesome and then uh so everything's kind of working for you things are moving in the good direction talk to me about that break you took from video and photography what what, what led to that yeah uh over the over the pandemic is an interesting time. Like a lot of people's wedding plans or just like general work kind of got pushed back. And then, so I, I went from a time period where I was steadily getting busier and busier. So there's kind of like this, you know, this, this, this kind of gradual increase where I was starting to get more bookings. And then yeah. just the past two years just went way up. Yeah. Um, and I kind of got to a point where I didn't have enough uh, time for just personal things because I was working all the time. And, and now, now mind you, when I, uh, quit Squarespace and went to Seattle, I think my whole 
freelance period, no day job was about like four months or so. Mm-hmm. And then my current job, uh, I'm, I'm an internal content writer for another tech company. So still have a day job going. Um, I just don't talk about it or post about it very much, but like, you know, I've, I've still got like yeah. my, my nine to five Monday through Friday. So, yeah. uh, what I really struggled with for a while was, yeah, I had all these great opportunities coming. Yeah. I could like really dive into my business and like, it was great to get all these new clients coming in and whatnot, but it was really hard to balance, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working at my day job and then Monday through Friday, I'm getting off and I'm going and I'm editing a video for my business, you know? And then on the weekends, I might actually be going out and filming something. So very quickly, it kind of turned into, oh, hey guys, uh, I can't hang out after work today. I've got to go edit a video. Oh, hey, you know what? I actually can't go camping with you any weekend in July because I have a wedding every single weekend in July, you know? Um, So that, that turned to burnout pretty quickly. And I think kind of my takeaway from that was just, you know, being more selective and being way more realistic about the amount of work that I want to take. But then also one rule that I always had for myself was like, I'll keep doing it as long as I'm having fun, you know? So it's a good rule. The the, the minute that I, I felt that, you know, obviously I got into this because it was a creative outlet for me and like it's evolved into something so much better. But at the same time, it's like, you know, if I'm looking at my, I, there was a, there's time period, you know, I didn't touch my cameras for like two months and, you know, I would look at them and just think about, man, I got so much stuff to edit, you know? So I, I would, I would, I stopped shooting new things. You know, I stopped taking new clients for a very long time as well. Yeah. And then after that, I was like, cool, I really got to step back, kind of reevaluate and like make sure that I've still got a balance. Like this year I'm taking a lot less work and doing a lot more things that like I want to get more invested in. Like there's some new topics that I want to start covering. Um, there's new things that I just want to start filming. And so kind of focusing on those, and, you know, I'm still available, still like doing elopements and whatnot, um, but just making sure that I'm doing the best thing for myself and the best thing for other people. Who, first off, you know, I, I, I go to therapy, so I have someone I could talk to unbiasedly. Um, if that's not something you do or if this is something you do, awesome. I, I'm happy for you. Um, but who who is someone you go to to kind of help just decompress about everything? Just you kind of just you know things are getting pent up and you're just like oh i just i just need to unload what's been on my mind and hopefully the person that is on the other side of that conversation doesn't want to run away from me so yeah um i was actually in therapy for a little bit during the pandemic too but um you know a, a lot of it wasn't so much uh i'm not sure that work life balance came up very much but one thing that we spoke about earlier was, you know, being critical of yourself, like that came up. And then yeah. that's kind of how, you know, I talked about how sometimes I do need those outside words to kind of tell me like what people think of my work. Cause again, I'm like all in here. Yeah. Um, but you know, one of my really good childhood friends, like we live together in Bend, we are super open with each other. I consider him like another one of my brothers. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very open with my other brother and just my, my parents as well. So I actually do feel like I have a lot of good outlets and uh, I feel like I have a lot of relationships in my life where if there is something I need to get off my chest or vice versa, like we can go and do that. Mm -hmm. So I think more so during the pandemic, that was very isolating. I don't think that I had, uh, I definitely have the resources there, but I don't think that I really had the drive to like reach out and and get for help, Uh, reach out and get for help, reach out and get help, uh, you know, super soon, which is Mm -hmm. I think why it kind of evolved into therapy. But now I feel like I'm at a point where if I am struggling with something or I need some advice, like I have plenty of relationships that I can lean on. So. Okay. Okay. And so what was, you know, during the pandemic, 
when did you feel like it's time for me to come back to this? It's time for me to start picking this up. Uh, I know you're starting to be, you're being more selective about it, uh, but being selective and also like doing it, I feel like that's two, two different things. Um, what, what was that point where you're just like, I'm going to walk to my camera. I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to start doing filming or taking photos just to ease my way back into it. Yeah. I think, um, I think last year and the year before that, I'm not even sure if I, I posted very much on Instagram, for example, like I think I might've yeah. posted like six times. I'm going to take a peek because there's definitely, <laughs> there, there's definitely a video that I worked on a while ago. Uh-huh. That was kind of just like my, you know, it was a, I was purely doing it because I wanted to do it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's totally fine. And then uh, as your side question, as you're looking through that, um, one of the new things I've seen, because I did, you know, I followed you on Instagram as soon as you, as soon as we met and uh, some things I did start to see trickling onto your feed is you're doing some videos with trucks, right? Is it like, was it, was it Ford? I want to say Ford. It, uh, it was a Toyota. Toyota. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> say with, with the brand. I love it. Uh, <laughs> as you look at that video, um, what was it? What was that conversation like with the dealer or just like with the company and be like, hey, I'm a freelancer. I want to take some photos or videos of this truck, because if I am someone like a representative and I like you come up to me, I'm should be like. Uh, okay, I don't know if I can trust you with this truck because you haven't purchased it yet. Or if you get dirty, uh, you might have to buy it. So we'll, we'll walk me through how that at least got started. Yeah, um, uh, just stepping back a little bit, I saw that I, I posted the the last kind of fun video that I did on, oh. on March 6th. So I think I was yep. filming maybe in like February or so. And that's when I had, remember I had like a little two week trip actually up here to Washington where I'm at. So I filmed it up on the coast. Um, but yeah, I, I think I had a little, you know, I, I think I had a six month kind of not really shooting period. So yeah. March is kind of when I started, you know, picking back up and doing more of the passion projects. Yeah. And then, um, in terms of vehicles that, that truck is actually, uh, owned by one of my friends down in Bend. I'm just going to call him my friend now. Cause we sure. went out and got dinner after the shoot and hung out. He's a cool dude. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was leaving the gym and, uh, his truck was parked in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it was really cool. I wrote a little note, left my business card in the windshield and said, Hey, if you want to go shoot together so that it was on me, cause it's my idea. I'm reaching out to him. Uh, so then we kind of strategized the shoot. He's really good at driving off road. So yeah, this, this wasn't even like a hmm. dealer owned truck or anything. Okay. I just happened to see the truck out in the street. I have to note on the windshield. Um, and I've just been doing more of that. Honestly, is like, you know, I see something cool. Maybe someone wants to create something with me. I'm, I'm kind of leaning that way. I would love to step into that area for more client work. And that's actually where I'm going. And I've gotten an inquiry actually for a fabrication shop that hey. saw the video and they're like, Hey, we want actually want some promo video from you. Nice. Um, so in kind of my mindset there is I filmed a couple of street cars as well. Had an amazing time with those. Uh, there are, you know, a couple of videographers that I just follow on YouTube and, you know, they film cars and I just love their work. You know, I, I love the creative aspect of it. Like I wouldn't consider myself too much of a car guy because I, I, you know, I'm not not too well versed in that space. Sure. But I love the cinematography, and like that's actually what kind of drew me to do it myself. It's like I've never done this before. I'm watching some people that are inspiring me. I kind of want to do my own take on it. And again, that kind of goes back to me doing something completely brand new to me. It's like you know, I could film elopements, I could film nature stuff all day. Cars? Who knows? You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's I've just been kind of practicing, and I did two street vehicles. That was my first truck, and 
the way that I'm going with this is I don't think that I see a lot of content of, of off-road vehicles. I see a lot of really cool, you know, street cars and whatnot, but I don't really see too many like lifted vehicles, trucks, people going mudding and stuff like that. So that's kind of where I want to step in is like, you know, I'm already out there doing the outdoor stuff. I think the builds are super cool and it's a way for me to keep exploring something brand new. So something else that I started getting into was uh, I want to do more kind of like camping content. Yeah. And so um, a couple of other channels that I follow again, kind of do similar things where uh, one that I follow, he does, you know, kind of like storytelling things. I'd be like a 15 minute video and he's kind of telling about where he's going on his trip and whatnot. And then there are some where there's actually uh, no speaking at all. And you're kind mm. of just, you know, fly on the wall watching someone doing their thing. And it's a really beautiful video to look at. Uh, I think those are videos that, you know, when we're stuck inside, we go and watch those to like maybe get inspired or just kind of like kick back and relax and whatnot. And I want to get in that space as well. So like, that's something that I've started to get into. Mm, okay. So uh, with, with the podcast, like, you know, this format, talking with people like yourself, talking about their work and then the, the mental mentality behind their work, that's something like, you know, I've done this and I feel good about it. And then something, you know, I'm also passionate about is like sports and the NFL. So part of me wants to, you know, try to branch off because I I intentionally label myself as Casey Media because like I also do some writing. I also do some, I haven't done photos in a very long time, but I can if I want to. And then I do this. But I was like, what if I also had like a podcast where I talk about sports and stuff and actually, you know, take the things I'm passionate about, either reading about, watching, listening, or just playing like in football or Madden, for example, and turn that into something along this avenue. Like, this is such a fun idea. But then when it comes to actually doing it, I am terrified of like, uh, I don't know exactly what would be the other first steps. And so after you got, you watched the YouTube channels, you kind of absorbed how they did it. And then you did this, this first shoot, what, you know, how do you continue on with it and not just go back to what's comfortable? And how do you just keep saying like, uh, because like, I'm just imagining you get handed a, a wedding and then also an opportunity to shoot, let's say a Ferrari who just, you know, shoot for the stars. Um, <laughs> how, how do you choose between those two options? That's a really good question. Um, I think at, at this point, cause you know, I took a little break and whatnot. It's, it would really just be, where do I see my work going in the future? And I think that's part of the inspiration to try new things is uh, I, I love everything that I've done, but what else is out there and what could I get into? And that's also, you know, I'm starting to lean more heavily into video instead of doing photos. So it's just like, I, I think it's time to kind of get a little bit uncomfortable and explore. And like I said before, like when I, when I quit my job and just started freelancing, like there was so much growth during that period. And I was trying a bunch of brand new things. So I think I'm kind of excited to go that route again. And then, yeah, you know, in terms of me picking either or, it just depends, you know, are they booked on the same day or not? <laughs> oh, there you go. But, just uh, but Yeah, but I think, you know, honestly, I am looking for more opportunities in the outdoor space because I think that's where my passion lies. Yeah. And in terms of me filming weddings, like I, I still am taking on weddings, but I'm also kind of leaning more towards just doing elopements. So like a lot of my uh weddings that i'm filming this year are like you know they're out on the coast you know we're gonna go backpack in or like hike somewhere um so i'm leaning more towards those and then just making sure that i'm still giving myself enough time to do things that i'm passionate about too okay okay w one of my last couple questions for you 
um we talked about yeah you you trying something new you go on youtube you see like oh nature photographers the pros and how they do it you pick it up um now you are now you are i mean you've you've kind of been a youtube star in yourself being in the prixma pixma pro 200 canon printer commercial sponsored by canon i, I saw this and i was like whoa okay how what what <laughs> this this guy I tried selling Apple Watches with, or and that's a freelancer, <laughs> got tapped by Canon to do a commercial for a printer. How did that all come about? So uh, at my current job, uh, this the guy that I work, he doesn't work here anymore, but he was in um, our kind of creative department. He ended up working for a different creative agency, and Canon was one of their clients. Oh. And so he knew that you know I was in the outdoor space, and he knew what yeah. they were looking for. So he tapped me on the back and he's like, Hey, you know, do you want to get in on this? And I was like, yeah, of course. And he, you know, he set the expectation that like, yes, he's going to put me in, but like, it's not up to him to choose who's there. So it was sure. me and a bunch of other photographers and they still had to go look through everyone's work and like see what was a good match. So like, I'm glad he gave him that caveat as well. So it wasn't just like, Oh, well, I know him. So I'm in, you know, they yeah. actually had to look at my work and, um, you had, you had one to of the earn things, it. yeah. And yeah. one of the things they had brought up was they were trying to show, uh, how the camera, uh, sorry, how the camera the printer can handle um blacks in an image and a lot of my photos they use a lot of black during editing or like i think i shoot a little bit darker and a little bit more high contrast as well um so that that was the the reason that that came about so um amazing opportunity like that's that's the the high level of it like i i love that i got that opportunity it was super cool to be in front of the camera as well and kind of see what they're doing uh it's very interesting to see how different studios work different things because I have I have worked with a couple of different studios to get projects done and whatnot when you know you're getting hired as a freelancer onto a team, um, but it was amazing to see like what went into planning, what into the day of the shooting, and like all their techniques and whatnot. And um, the editing and the way that the video came out, I didn't know what to expect, and I was just still really blown away. So yeah, and yeah, you, know, you got to be you know on the opposite end of it all. Like yeah, you were in front of the camera. But you're also the client to some degree, uh, and you know you got to just you're just there to do what they ask. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> how did that experience kind of help? You know, kind of shape the way you handle clients and going forward. And what is, what is something that you took from what they did that you're like, I like that. I'm gonna do that too. Yeah, uh, I think the amount of planning that went into it is is really key. Um, something that I always try to focus on is just making sure that when we get there, we know what we're going to do. You know, there's, there's, there's a certain level of, you know, we'll kind of figure it out and kind of see what the area looks like and whatnot. Sure. But I think yeah. that all of my shoots that I, well, I'm not going to say, you know, all my shoots that have gone well sound a little bit too much of a broad brush, but like yeah. ones that are low stress are ones where we have a plan and maybe a couple of different options. So it's like, you know, we're, we have location a, but, you know, maybe the weather there is really bad or there's a road closure or something like that. So we've got option B and option C. It's like really nice going into that and just knowing that you've got a couple of different ways to get the job done. And I think it's a little bit less stressful for everyone involved because you don't have to, you know, kind of figure things out in the moment. So um, I think that was one of the things. And then also just seeing uh, everyone's kind of creative thought processes. So yes, we kind of go in knowing, all right, I want to get this specific angle of this kind of shot it needs to have the waterfall here and like all that, but also kind of giving yourself time to play around when you show up. So it's like, yeah, we knocked our shot list off, 
but hey, we gave ourselves an extra hour and now we can just kind of get shots that we think are cool or like try new techniques or like maybe go a little above and beyond what they asked for because we planned it out properly, have more time to be creative. So, yep. yeah. Yeah. Um, because my 50th guest, he was a former coworker, but now he's like a contractor with the company. Um, he, I watched his podcast because he did video cast as well. And then I would always see like afterwards, like his marketing had like photos that was taken after the interview or maybe before, who knows. Um, but then that's where the idea of like, oh yeah, I could do a photo shoot afterwards to get photos for social media. And so um, that little things like that. And then, you know, watching the pros on how they kind of conduct their podcast. I'm like, huh, okay. I mean, this is where the whole second camera thing came from. And so it's, I I can't say that I enough, man. Like I think you're the the fact that you are this this freelancing of videography photography has just you know helped your life propel to heights you probably never thought you would, you would be at six year five six years ago. Um, but how how would you say the life as a freelancer photographer videographer? How has that fit your personality of being a planner? Also. Ooh, um, if you ask anyone who knows me or my friends, they probably say that I, I overplan. Uh, <laughs> there's there's probably a couple reasons that that is a thing. It could be the way that I was raised. I don't know, but I I like to be a very prepared person. Yeah. <laughs> Some people might might say overprepared, but I'm just gonna own it. I think that I'm prepared sure. and I I do trips well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that you know, as you start. And I think this kind of goes for any field, like the more experience you get, the more you're going to understand what you need to be prepared to do things right. So for example, I had a friend who just asked me, she's like, Hey, you know, two of my friends are going to hire me for their wedding. And she just had some kind of like startup questions about, you know, what to do, how much to charge and whatnot. So kind of just told her what I did when I got started, but also thinking about things we don't usually think about is like, do you have a second camera body? Do you have another lens? Do you have backup SD cards? How many batteries you got? And what's also good is that you don't have to buy these things. You can rent all these things, which is amazing. So you don't have to, you know, go out and buy things you might not use, or you might not need or might have, not have the budget for. Um, so I think for me, it's just, you're, you're going to learn every single time you do something. And again, my end goal is just kind of like show up, the reason that you're prepped is because you want to have like a low stress environment and also do what you actually came out there to do. Um, Cause it, it took me a while too to kind of shape my business in a way where like I could go buy a second camera body. Mm -hmm. So now it's like, whenever I show up, I've never had to pull it out, but it's there if I need it. And that's like very reassuring for me. So true. True. I, I learned having more than one SD card is not a bad thing. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I have, I have way too many now, but yeah, I mean, there's just, um, it's one of those things where the technicalities I think can hold you back. And also, uh, I think it can kind of be disheartening. So for example, I'm just thinking, you know, maybe someone does a shoot and your SD card runs out and it doesn't go the way you expect. I think a lot of people might actually take that as like, well, I'm a bad photographer, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm a bad creative. And it's like, no, your your creative aspect is still there. We just also need to pay attention to like the logistics of the situation. So you can be the best creative that you want to be. I think we still got to split those things up because, yeah. you know, it, it, it can go in kind of a negative way too. You can be an excellent creative, you know, just absolutely killing it. 
But if you're bad at the logistics, you're going to hold yourself back. Or if you're really, really good at the logistics, you have all the gear and whatnot, but you haven't focused on the creative side, you again might have, you know, too much camera for mm -hmm. what you can produce. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so it, I'll sprinkle throughout this um, something I want to also talk with you about, but also you kind of sprinkle throughout the, our conversation so far is, you know, how would you talk to your younger self? And a lot of what you've been saying today has been, um, advice, not just for myself, but for other people that maybe your friend also that's like straining up their, you know, their photography business. I mean, they take a listen to this. Also, if you're taking a listen and you know who you are, hello, thank you for being here. Um, but what other piece, well, like what's maybe one or two other pieces of advice that you would give to your younger self, especially when it comes to handling being overwhelmed? Because in our talks leading up to here, you, you said that you have two versions of yourself when it comes to tactics, when it comes to being overwhelmed of like, you know, the healthy version is make a plan of action. And then unhealthy is just basically work yourself to the bone. So what would you say to your younger self? Like what's one or two things you say to younger self to kind of help, you know, handle being overwhelmed in that healthy way? Yeah. Um, I think the first thing would just, again, accepting that nothing's going to come out perfect because I think, you know, chasing that perfection slows things down so much. Yep. And, you know, uh, I, I can't think of a time where, uh, you know, perfection, however we define it, was the end goal. You know, yep. it's like we obviously we have a result that we're that we're working towards. Yep. Um, but trying to make everything perfect and, you know, going through like 15 drafts of something is can just like really slow you down. And uh, I, I think that's one of the biggest things is that you end up not having enough time for the other things because you're taking so much on this one project or maybe I'm stressing out on something because yeah, the client had a specific vision that they had, but my vision is like, just, you know, so I'm, I'm dialed on this one thing. And I was like, Oh, well, I didn't get this one thing. So it's not perfect. You know? Um, I think letting go of that and just accepting what you can do and accepting what works is yeah. a really good thing. And yeah. again, focusing on being consistent or being perfect every single time, you know, obviously that can go a bad way too. still meet the expectations, but just understand that, you know, and, and I think one thing too, that we're, we're worried about with the perfection is that like, oh, well, it's not at the level that I want to be at. So why would I put it out there? You know? Mm. True. Or um, I don't have the right gear to make this perfect. So why would I do it? So it's 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 not just meeting client expectations, but I think it's our personal expectations as well. Is is like you know, someone might think, oh well, I don't have this specific camera, so I shouldn't even go out and shoot. Or like maybe you felt this way too, like kind of getting to it. Well, I don't have the second camera. I don't have this mic set up. So why would I do it? You know, mm -hmm. it's like work with what you have because we're only going to get better, which is the good thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think secondly is just the work life balance. You know, like yeah. plan accordingly make time for family and friends, like make time for yourself. Like don't work all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's always easier said than done, but practice makes perfect, which again, it, it's how you got to where you are today. Brighton, you know, I, I honestly like, this has been awesome getting to catch up with you. I know you've been busy doing your photography, videography, moving. So, you know, I hope the greater Washington area does kind to you and uh, provides more fruitful options than, I just, I'm going off the assumption you bled, bend dry of any good scenic shots, nature shots. So you're like, you know what? I need new territory. Let's move on up. So 
you, you know, surprisingly, I didn't because I was working. <laughs> ah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that was also kind of my inspiration for stepping back a little bit was because, you know, I went down there thinking, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go do this hike. I'm going to go do that. And there's one down there called Broken Top that oh. I have not done that a lot of my friends who have visited the area have done. Mm. And I was like, I'm slacking over here. So Dang. that's another reason for me to like just chill out a little bit. But yeah. I do have lots of plans up here and lots of free time, thankfully. So there you go, man. So uh, you... So I'm trying something new with you. So you're going to be my guinea pig. Uh, typically, I do, uh, to wrap up the interviews, I do two hypothetical questions. I'm going to change it up. I'm going to do a 250 question sheet of would you rather questions. I'm just Excellent. going to ask you two rather <laughs> would you rather questions. And then, um, you know, just wrap it up in a, a fun bow. So uh, first one. Would you rather be forced to sing along or dance to every single song you hear? Ooh, sing along. Singing along is so fun. Yeah. I mean, even if you're not good at it, I mean, no one's really good at it because exactly. you could just be a little quiet and the next thing you know, they can't really hear you. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a karaoke person. So singing along is already something that I do. Really? Okay. What's your go-to karaoke yeah. song? Ooh. Um, at my friend's birthday last year, we did, there was a little bit of Beyonce on the track. Oh, there was a little bit of Eminem there. There was some Lil Wayne. Hey. And then we did some Lil Nas X as well. So hmm. I'm, I'm a, I'm a really big fan of a, anything that I just completely do not have the vocal range for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then B anything that is just like fun to rappers along. So there you go. Uh, so second, would you rather swim in a pool full of nutella or a pool full of maple syrup mm. i'm gonna go with the nutella because i feel like with nutella you might not can i can my feet touch the bottom of this scenario yeah yeah yeah. okay i'm gonna i'm gonna go with the, the nutella you know nutella. i don't i don't like being sticky and i think that nutella is yeah. gonna be less sticky i'm also thinking because I, I don't know where i've seen this and maybe some like tv shows or whatnot but like uh, no, it was Bob's Burgers. I'm sorry, there it is. So we're like, uh, if, if do you know the show? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, we're. I think it was the episode where um, the mom is. It's her birthday, and she gets sprayed with a skunk. And then at the end of the episode, she's like in a pool full of tomato soup. And then the son Gene just grabs like a bowl and some grilled cheese, and then just pours that in. I mean, I'm just saying, man. Just if you're in a pool full of Nutella, just get some toast, just slather that on. Sounds like a good time. The honey, not so much. <laughs> no, no, no. Brighton, where can the people find you on social media and also your work? Uh, yeah, my website is my first name, lashinitial.com, so brightonw.com. And then my Instagram handle is conveniently the same thing. Hey, very creative. I like it. It just Thank works because the way you also spell your name. I think I've seen um, a Brighton. It was like B-R-I-G-H-T-O-N or something like that. Yours is, it's got that Y because why not work with him? Oh, Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Uh, do you want to know the real reason behind my name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and, and now I have checked with my parents on this recently, so I know that it's a fact, but there's a show called Family Matters. Okay. And yeah. in the credits, there is a kid on a tricycle who looks like one of my brothers, but his real name is Brighton. And that's how my parents got my name. I thought they were oh. messing with me for the longest time. So I looked it up. So <laughs> my, my mom said that she almost named me Keanu after Keanu Reeves. But she was like, I actually want you to have your own life. So I'm not going to do that to you. Does she that's mean fair. that for real? I don't know. But I will <laughs> accept it day in and day out. 
Well, I think I think both versions will be fitting for you. So, uh, man, yeah, honestly, yeah, it's it's been amazing to reconnect with you and getting to hear about where your life is now. So, uh, you know, the the lady and I, we do take some trips up to the Washington area. So, uh, next time we're up there, I'll hit you up and we can grab beer and catch up in person. Yeah, come say hi. I love it. All right, thank you so much, man. Thank giant thank you to the guests for telling their story, and a giant thank you to you for sticking around until the end of the episode. If you like what you heard and want more episodes from Keone Chats, subscribe on your preferred podcast platform and be in the loop for when new episodes are released. You can also get notified through social media when you follow KC Media 13 on both Instagram and Twitter and Conluke Media on Facebook. If you're interested in becoming a guest on the show, email me your story at kcmedia13 at yahoo.com. I'd love to talk with you and uh, get an interview scheduled. So until the next episode, everyone, please take care.